Hello and welcome to the Follies End Christmas message. I'm Jessie Markey and today we're going to be looking at God's greatest Christmas present to us and how his greatest gift can mean that we have the best Christmas yet. I can't believe we're already talking about Christmas. Another year has flown by at the speed of knots and as the night draws in, the promise of Christmas is just around the corner. As a wife and a mum, this is a particular busy time of year for me. As well as all my work commitments, there's gifts to buy and wrap, house to decorate, children's activities to attend, food to plan for, shopping to do, not to mention the endless Christmas dates to remember and prepare for. We're also blessed with a Christmas birthday in our house, so there's a birthday to get ready for. My to-do list more than doubles, and by the time I reach Christmas Eve, I can often feel completely exhausted and, if I'm honest, fed up and wishing for the whole thing to be over. But this year, I know it's going to be different, because 2023 has been a year of discovering God's Word for me. At the beginning of this year, I had high hopes for the year. I had worked super hard and I was looking forward to reaping some of the benefits for my work. However, like it sometimes is, my expectations were not met and far from it being the disaster I feared, it turned out to be the best thing that could have happened for me this year. Because regardless of what the future will hold for those plans, I discovered that God loves me and his desire is to have a close relationship with me. And he is more concerned with being close to me than he is for what I can do for him. I always knew that God loved me in my head, but I didn't understand it in my heart. I ran through the thought like, yeah, 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 God loves me, but I'd spent zero time looking at his love for me. Understanding and accepting that God loves you regardless of how you perform or what you do should be the most fundamental part of our faith as Christians. But most of us, myself included, it's not a main focus. Whenever you found God in your Christian life, it's likely that you were acutely aware that you were not good enough, that you had fallen short and you were now standing in front of the creator of the universe and he wanted to be with you. He wanted to save you. You might have been completely overwhelmed to have been met with such love and compassion when you didn't deserve it. But the moment you became a Christian, religion swooped in and gave you a long list of all the things you had to do. You had to stop sinning, you had to stop drinking, you had to stop eating too much. You've got to love people who hate you. You have to pay your tithes. You must go to church. You've got to work for God. And if you don't, then God won't bless you. He won't move in your life. Well, Dear ones, I'm here to tell you that whilst all of those things I've just listed are good things to do, it's good to stop living with someone you're not married to. It's good to tithe. It's good to be sober. It's good to go to church and to love your enemies. But you can't do any of that without an intimate relationship with God. This is the narrative of the world and it ramps up during Christmas. The world tells us that we have to have all these things done perfectly for our family to have a good time and to be successful. I think this message gets particularly louder at Christmas for a couple of reasons. 
One, because companies want all your hard-earned cash at Christmas. And two, because Satan doesn't want us to fully understand what actually happened the day that Jesus was born. Let me get to the punchline quickly and then I'll explain. When Jesus was born, it was God's plan coming together that had taken over thousands of years to accomplish. Because of Jesus, there is now peace between you and God. You haven't got to work for his approval. He loves you. And now because of Jesus' birth, you can have an intimate relationship with God that you couldn't have without Jesus. Your sin isn't being held against you anymore. You are free to have life in abundance. And there is now peace between men and God. Satan hates that message because he didn't know that killing Jesus would result in our freedom. Satan can't change what happened. But if you don't know the truth, it can't set you free. And that's why our media is flooded with anti-God messages. They even wanted to take the Christ out of Christmas and call it Xmas. In algebra, the letter X is often used to represent an unknown thing. There has also been an assignment to remove Christ from this occasion. And if you ever really understood what Christ did for you, then you really would be unstoppable. I've just made some pretty bold statements. And who just wants my opinion? If you're going to change your thinking, then let's back it up with what God actually says. My first statement is that God loves you. He loves you because he is love and not because you're lovely. John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God sent us Jesus because of his love for us. Deuteronomy 7 verse 7, The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the least of all the peoples. God set his love on you, not because you're awesome and amazing, but because he is love. 1 John 4 verse 8, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. It's not something he does like we do. For us, love is a doing word, a verb, an action. But it's his name. It's his nature. It's a noun. When we receive love from someone, it's an action, something the other person does to us. And if we make a mistake, they remove that love. We're told off or we're rejected. But it's not the way with God. God loves you because he is love. It is literally who he is. John 4 verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. The New Testament was written in Greek and there are eight different words for love in Greek. The word used here is agape, which is God's love for us. 
I've often thought that I have to love other people for God to abide in me, but that is not what this verse means. We have to accept God's love for us just as we are. Songs of Solomon 2 verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting house. His banner over me was love. In Matthew 10 verse 30, Jesus tells us that God has counted the number of hairs on our head, that we are precious to him. Jeremiah 31 verse 3, the Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you in. Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. I had to stop listing scriptures here because it was getting too long. The Bible is just a book of love from God to his people. I never really understood that before. This is the thing that has changed for me this year. When my plans fell flat on their face, I was so cross with myself. I had planned and worked so hard, hoping that God would be pleased with me. I was so upset that I had failed God. And I kept thinking, what's the point of me if I can't do anything for God? I'll get to heaven and he'll tell me off for not doing anything. I heard God so clearly in that moment. He said, Jesse, did you have your children because you wanted them to serve you? I suddenly saw my tiny babies in my arms. No, God, I said, how could they possibly do anything for me? God said, so why did you have them then? I answered him, because I wanted a family. I wanted them, I wanted to love them, and I wanted to be with them. God said this to me, that's how I feel about you. I didn't create you so you would work for me. I created to be with you to love you, to have a relationship with you. Like, what could I possibly do for the creator of the universe anyway? Does this mean I can just lay in bed and do nothing? No, the Bible says that if we don't work, we don't eat. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 10. The Bible tells us that even the ants work. Proverbs 6 verse 6. This isn't a message of being lazy, but of understanding that anything we do comes from an understanding of his love for us and not our performance. Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. God's love for you isn't based on your works or your performance, but on his goodness. At this time of year, the world is screaming at us that we need to perform. We need to have the big house, the big dining table full of food, thousands of pounds worth of presents under the tree, the matching family pyjamas for Christmas Eve, or matching outfits for the perfect family picture. But that is not what Christmas is about. Christmas is about peace between God and man. Not based on your goodness or your holiness, but because of Jesus. And this is awesome news. Christmas is a time to celebrate God's love and God's greatest gift.
In Luke chapter 2, we see the picture of the shepherds tending their sheep. When in verse 13 it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will towards men. This is awesome. And I've skipped over this verse for years, never really understanding what it means. Yeah, 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 peace on earth, got it, move on. But what this actually means is pretty incredible. And on earth, peace, goodwill towards men. The word peace here is the Greek word irene. And here's the definition of that word. Peace, harmony, tranquility, safety, welfare, health, often with an emphasis on lack of strife or reconciliation in a relationship as when one has peace with God. What the angels were saying here is this, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth between men and God. Now there is peace between men and God. It's the end of men striving for God's presence and God's blessing. It's the end of our strife with God. It's the end of us trying to be good enough to get close to God. Because when Jesus was born, the scriptures were fulfilled. God's plan to get peace back with men. Does this mean that all men have peace with God? Yes, if they want to accept it, it does. We all have a free will to reject the things of God or to believe that Jesus was who he said he was. Christmas for us as Christians should be a reminder that there's peace between us and God. Hebrews 4 verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because of Jesus, we don't have to strive to be close to God. Just like a child bursting into their parents' office, demanding that they are hungry and they need food, we can also walk with boldness into God's throne room. And in this verse, it says, we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. When do you need mercy? When you've done everything right? No, you need mercy when you've messed up. But the lies of the enemy tells us that when we've messed up, we have to work our way back to God, doing something to get back to grace because we've fallen from grace. What a demonic lie. We can now walk boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy when we've messed up. And when do we need help? In times of need, when life hasn't gone right, when we're being persecuted, when we've had loss, failure, heartbreak. We can walk boldly. We don't have to beg and we don't have to plead. This is where the word repentance has been so abused by religion. Repentance just means to turn away from the thing that we were doing and back to God. Jesus doesn't need us to repent to forgive us. He forgave all our sins, past, present and future. We repent because we're turning back to him. Beloved, there is such a real lie about this time of year. The world tells us that we have to be perfect. We've got to have the perfect house. We have to have the perfect presence, perfect food, perfectly behaved children. The world shows us pretty pictures of what Christmas should be about. We've got to work hard to get our stuff together. 
And this is a total lie of the enemy. Every Christian celebration, Satan has been doing his best to turn our attention away from God and onto the things of this world. Romans 12 verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you know that God doesn't want you to be stressed out trying to live up to the world's image of Christmas? Matthew 6 verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So does this mean that we just forget the whole Christmas stuff altogether then? Can you imagine if on Christmas morning my two little kids wake up super excited, they run into our bedroom to open their presents and I say, well, Merry Christmas, kids. Just so you know, all this material stuff is from the devil. So we're not going to have any presents or Christmas dinner. We're going to seek first the kingdom of God today. Well, one, my kids wouldn't understand. And two, I'd give them a pretty horrible picture of who their all-loving, kind and heavenly father is. And three, I'd be a rotten mum. I'm not saying for a moment we chuck the entire thing out, but we do need to recognise that this time of year is a time of peace, celebration and thanksgiving to see the devil's schemes far off and say, no, that's not what Christmas is about. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12 that it's not wise to compare yourself amongst themselves. But if you removed comparison from every marketing advert, you wouldn't have any TV adverts left. It's the typical Christmas advert. You see the perfect family sat around this beautifully laden table and you look at your own life and you realise you haven't got all those things that the TV advert is showing you. So you compare yourself to them. And that's one of the ways big companies make us want to buy things. We look at what we've got versus what they have and we think, I want that, so we buy it. But it's not wise to do that. God tells us that that's not wise. The Christmas message isn't about stuff. It's about love. We all know this verse. John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God wanted peace between man and himself so much that he gave his only son to die so that we could have life. And not just life after death, but life now and a good life too. John 10 verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus came so that we could have an amazing life now. Satan is hatching a plan to steal from you, to kill and to destroy. He doesn't want you to have peace. He wants you to be in debt, to be at war with your husband or your wife, to be stressed out and cursing this time of being together. Someone once said to me that they didn't believe Satan was all that bothered about them and that he can't really be that much of a force of evil in this world. Well, either that person has never experienced evil or they are seriously deceived. Whatever they're thinking, the Bible says that he goes around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may destroy. But the good news is that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. 1 John 4 verse 4. 
And all we have to do is resist the devil and he will flee from us. James 4 verse 7. 1 John 4 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. In case you're wondering, the Greek word used in this passage for love is agape. God's love for you, not your love for him or others. If you're having a problem with fear this year, you haven't understood how much God loves you. If you've got a problem with stress, you haven't understood how much God loves you. God's love really is the answer to all our problems. And this isn't some hippie love. It's powerful and it's life-changing. You might be thinking, how on earth does knowing God's love change how stressed out I am in this season? But once you're rooted and grounded in God's love for you, it sets you free. It sets you free to speak the truth. Ephesians 4 verse 15 tells us to speak the truth in love. What's the Greek word for love in this passage? You guessed it. It's agape, God's love. I always thought that you had to speak the truth in love for someone else. No, you speak the truth knowing God's love for you and God's love for them. When you're grounded and you're rooted in God's love, you can say, can we do this at Christmas? So instead of everyone pulling you from pillar to post, you can't say what you need. It doesn't come out aggressively. You can just say it out of a place of peace because you're rooted in God's love for you and you're not trying to get anyone else's approval. Ephesians 3:17 that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love agape may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So how do you do what I've just said? How do you keep your peace in this time of year? Well, firstly, recognise that the pressure you're feeling right now is not from God and it's not godly. It's the world telling you what you should be doing. Secondly, know that there are two worlds, the natural world that you can taste, see, hear and smell, but there's also a spiritual world. Think back to the day you gave your life to God. You saw it or you felt it that day. Every time you feel that pressure coming to you, you need to turn to the things of God. There's power in the spoken word. The Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So speak it out. Say, no, I'm not going to be stressed. Jesus tells me not to worry. Here are some verses to help you with that worry right now. Matthew 6, verse 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, of being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles, people that don't know God, seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Luke 12, 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So from everyone here at Folly's End, we wish you the most peaceful Christmas. Our prayer is that you will remember how much God loves you and that this time at Christmas isn't a time for stuff, but a time to rejoice that there is now peace between you and God. You don't have to strive or work hard to be close to God this season. He loves you and it is his desire to be close to you. Until we speak again, be kind to yourselves and each other.